Hello. Hello. Welcome back to Just Another Murder Cast. Yay Jam. Yay Jam. <laughs> okay. So we're a little late, you know. We've been on the struggle bus this week. It's Life. fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, it's all fine. I finished my murder this morning. It's fine. <laughs> I'm really excited about mine. I'm super, super pumped about it. I could have done better with mine, but I'm excited about it. Good. Yeah, it'll be good. Awesome. Um, all right, so what's new before we get started? What's new? Any comments? Yes. Oh, my God. Are um, you ready? No. Are you, I'm so excited about my comment. Oh, my God, okay. I heard okay. from a little bird okay. that someone in this room mm-hmm. went to audition for American Idol. Shut the fuck up. And got a little bit nervous. You're right, it was me. Shut the fuck up. And decided not to. Um, and I feel like that person should go ahead and put their audition in now. Uh, you can suck in your ass. <laughs> Absolutely 100%. No. No. Awesome. I'm dying right now. <laughs> Haley is wearing a red shirt and her face is the same color as her shirt. <laughs> I could vomit. (laughs) (laughs) Who told you that? I have no idea. Was it my dad? No. Are you lying? I'm not lying. It's not your dad, but I promised I would never tell. Who in the hell? Was it my mother? No, it wasn't your mother. I talked to your dad, not your mom. So it was my dad. It was not your dad. Oh my God. You have to give me some sort of hint. I will not. Oh my God. Was it somebody in my family? Um, yeah, it was your grandmother. My, I'm sorry. (laughs) Did you talk to my grandmother? No. How did this come about? I can't tell you. Was it really my grandmother? No, it was not your grandmother. Oh my God. I am like, I could vomit. What (laughs) in the hell? (laughs) And he's like, I'm going home. We're done. Podcast over. Oh my God. Friendship done. (laughs) Oh, okay. For real. You're not going to tell me you. No. <laughs> I promised I wouldn't. And I It has to be daddy. It does not have to be your daddy. I know other people. Oh my god. Like your husband, your friends. Who? Your family. No. Who? Who? Ben I mean, Taylor told me. I okay, you're gonna have to tell me who eventually though. Because I'm dying. On my deathbed, you can come to me and ask me. It had to who be daddy. Told me. And I will tell you. It had to be daddy. But not until I'm dying. <laughs> oh, I literally am like, <laughs> I am like dying. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's not bring up that. <laughs> Let's not bring up that. <laughs> it's in happy birthday or something. Yeah, no to the hell. No, no, no. No, I would, I would literally rather stick a fork in my eyeball. Well, stick a fork in your eyeball, then. <laughs> no hell. No hell. To the hell, hell no. To the no, no. I am dying. Like, I'm literally the color of your Cheetos. <laughs> so funny. Oh, my God. I don't think I've ever seen Haley like this. I don't think. I, oh, my God. She's crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right, Dad. I'm coming after you. So... I don't have anything. I don't have any other comments. I'm, I'm spoken. <laughs> I'm spoken for today. I'm, I'm dying. Like I can literally feel my cheeks burning. So, 
I hate whoever you talk to. <laughs> no, you don't. Oh, yeah, our so new room. We have our new room set up. Beth and Jordan work their asses off. And we have our equipment set up. It's a quiet room. And we're really fancy now. It's, it's our very own studio. It is. And every week, we just like, I mean, what's next? Because every week, it's just something new that makes us a little bit bougier. I know. I love it. I do, too. Like, I feel like we're somebody. Yeah. We'll get, we're getting to be somebody to tell you something. <laughs> okay. Speaking of daddies, too, uh, let's give a shout out to my sweet daddy again. Like, how come every episode just, like, revolves around my daddy? You know. He's just great. <laughs> he is. Uh, so, he is one of our shout outs for the week because if you go to Apple Podcast, um, and so everybody's confused. First of all, everybody's confused on where you can get podcasts. So if you have an iPhone, there is a purple icon that it comes on your phone. That is where the podcast is. Or if you have deleted that app, because when you got your phone, you're like, what is this? Let me delete it. Eh. Um, you can just go to go to your Apple iTunes, whatever it is, iTunes, yeah. type in podcast. And it is a purple icon that looks like what? It looks like a man with two circles. It, yes. It's like a stick figure kind of thing with circles around it. Download that. Anywhere else that you get your podcast. Yes. Um, I don't want to say it too loud because mine will start playing. Alexa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She heard you. Oh, my gosh. She did hear you. You can get it from her. Mm-hmm. You can get it from Google. You can get it from Spotify. Mm-hmm. Pandora. Mm-hmm. All the places. It all is the on places. All the places. But if you have your iPhone and you have that little blue purple app, that's where you leave the review. And my sweet daddy left the sweetest little review again. Like, y'all... Like, every week, I could just, like... Mm. He's really sweet. I know. Except he he told my secrets. He did not. Then who was it? Your grandmother. Which one? And that's not my problem. Mima? Not it my problem. It not had my to be problem. Mima. Not my problem. When did you talk to my grandmother? I drove over. I don't know where all your grandmother... I know where one of your grandmother lives. I don't know where the other one lives. I just drove and visited. It was not my grandmother. Okay, well. It was daddy. It was daddy. Are you, you would bet your life on that? Half of it. Maybe like my legs. You can, just, I bet my legs on that. Yeah. Like I can get by without my legs, but yeah. I'm pretty confident. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so sweet daddy, we love you too much. Thank you. Except for don't tell my secrets. But thank you for your review. You're the best. All right, I'm going to let you do the next one too because that, that one's for you. Randy, I wish I had it pulled up, but I don't. We love you. She mentioned the microphones, how the sound. Oh, Angela said the sound is getting so much better, too. It is. Mm-hmm. I I mean, like, we're just learning mm-hmm. as we go. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's getting better, and we're getting better. And if you have any other suggestions, just, like, shoot them our way. I'll cuss at you a little bit, and then I'll probably do it. Any other suggestions that Jordan can do <laughs> to make this better? We'll allow Jordan to do those, and uh-huh. the podcast will be so much better. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you for your reviews. Don't forget to leave the reviews anywhere you go. Also, um, we want to mention Patreon here, too. Yes. Okay. So, um, also, we recently set up our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash justanothermurdercast. Yes. And there are stickers and coffee mugs and And t-shirts and and posters. (laughs) (laughs) I want a freaking poster. You will get one. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. For... Easy payments at $25. (laughs) (laughs) So there are different tiers. Beth, do you want to go through the tiers real quick or do we want to do that at the end? Uh, We'll do that at the end. Okay, sounds great. So don't forget to go to Patreon. Also, you get bonus episodes with that one. And let's start off with our warning. 
I'm feeling unfunny again today. How can you feel unfunny? You know, where you're just like, um, I'm just bleh today. It's fine. I'll get more into it because my story is wild. All right, warning. Warning. This is a murder podcast. So don't listen to it with your three-year-old. Three-year-olds don't need to know about murder. Also, if you're offended easily by dirty language, um, we're working on it. Yeah, Dad. I'm working on we're it. We're working but, you know, if this is not your thing, it's not your thing. And I respect that. And that's okay. But just go ahead and go on now. Mm-hmm. We don't need you to tell us that you don't like us. Because, like, we get it. <laughs> I don't like me half the time either. We get it. We try our hardest not to, in any way, shape, or form, offend the victims or the families of the victims. Only the murderers. Because, who cares? Yeah. So. But everybody else is fair, fair game. <laughs> Fair, Fair game. game. Unless you're Jordan and I, and you don't know that, like last week, we didn't know that that lady was the murdered lady. So we're like, she's a stripper. Not that there's like, anything wrong no, with strippers. No, she's not. Shut up. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with strippers. <laughs> but making fun of her. <laughs> yeah, ruined my entire story. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you ready for rock, paper, scissors? Who's going first? If I had to go first again this week, I'm going to be furious. I'm going to be so excited when you go first. I hate so it. So should we change our rock, paper, scissors? If you win, you get to pick if you want to go first or not. Yeah, until you fucking win today and you get to pick. Okay, well, if you win, you get to pick. How about if you win, you go second? Just all of a sudden. Okay. Are you sure? I mean, whatever. Okay. All right. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. I won. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Ellie was like, nope, we'll go again. That's not the outcome I wanted. I started getting ready for a second game. Damn. Yeah, I didn't want that outcome, so we're just going to go ahead and play again, right, Ben? (laughs) What if you had started playing again? (laughs) We just continued rock, paper, scissors until we caught on. Uh, Beth. One. Oh, that means you go first. I'll go first this time, (laughs) but next time we're changing it. (laughs) Yeah, you go (laughs) No, nope, we're keeping our rules, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm like, I don't care until you win. And I'm like, no, you got it. We're keeping our rules this time. But next time, <laughs> we'll see how I do. <laughs> when I win next time, we get to choose. <laughs> All right, so I'm going first. Oh, yeah. Please, come on. Okay, gosh. Okay. All right, you ready? You ready? I typed mine up this time because I'm fancy. You are fancy. How many pages do you have? It's only five front and back <laughs> we're gonna work on our so's and ums so's and ums I, i'm gonna say so's and ums like the Damn. entire time oh. now well listen we're editing here tonight so <laughs> now she gets a taste of her own so's and ums i so-ums. say we just leave the so ums in <laughs> i don't care i don't care <laughs> all right you ready you ready? ready i'm ready i gotta set the scene <sighs> picture this picture this atlanta georgia mm-hmm. april 27th mm-hmm 1913. What's the date today? Not April 20th. 25th. 25th. Oh, dang. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, next time. We'll yeah. wait. We'll wait two days. <laughs> Maybe we'll put this one out in two days. No, we're putting it out tonight. I'm staying yeah, here are. until it's out. Okay, cool. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> so, April 27th, 1913. Mm-hmm. Three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Nothing good ever happens in the wee hours of the morning. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Newt Lee. Okay. He's a watchman at the National pencil factory you're a watchman at a factory yeah like a like, like a, a security, security guard, guard at a, like what kind of pencil factory needs a security guard uh people might be selling those pencils and they're very valuable that's i guess you're right okay mm-hmm. he calls police to report the discovery of a dead body in the pencil machine 
No, just mm. in in the factory. Oh, mm, not as fun. When peace, when peace, when peace, when peace arrives, when police, <laughs> you sound like Parker. <laughs> <laughs> when the police arrive ten minutes later, they find the body of a young female laying face down. Her head is covered. Ass up. Oh no. my God, <laughs> Haley. No. We literally just had this conversation. So my bad, my bad. Edit out, edit out. Okay. Turn mic off. And <laughs> it's like, I'm done? Yeah. This is the best podcast. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Her head is covered in blood mm-hmm. and it's been caved in. Shit. The deceased is Mary Fagan, 13 year old female who started working in the pencil factory to help support her family, her widowed mother. And five siblings. Oh, my gosh. She was beautiful, by the way. I'll show you pictures. Really? Yes. The day before the murder, Mary came to the factory to pick up her week's wages from the factory manager, Leo Max Frank. It was a whole $1.20. Did you adjust adjust that for inflation? I sure did, Haley. Yes, you did, did. bitch. Sorry. That would be $32.11 in today's monies. Oh, no. Right? Oh, no. But I, I oh, also no. read later that it was only a day's work, not a whole week's work. Okay. I mean, still $32.11 in one day is not enough for me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she goes to pick up the money, and she never leaves. That was the day before? Yeah. On the 26th, she goes okay. to pick up the money. Mm-hmm. She's found at 3 o'clock in the morning on the 27th. Okay. Just so you know, apparently there's a big parade. It's a Confederate parade. And... Atlanta, I mean, like, the Civil War hadn't been over that terribly long, mm-hmm. and she was going to the parade. So she was going to pick up her money and then go to the parade. Mm-hmm. Mary had been strangled by a three-fourths-inch cord in the factory basement, and she had also been raped. Oh, damn. I know. The investigation was very poorly conducted. Surprise. Right? Evidence from the scene was lost, including bloody fingerprints and a trail in the dirt where she had been dragged. Other evidence was lost when the reporters borrowed it from law enforcement. You know, we've got to make this episode real good. Can I borrow that? Thank you. Um, police ignored other c- clues that were found, like a human stool. What? Yeah, like feces. Like poo-poo? Someone pooped. <laughs> Shut up. And they were like, I don't think that shit has anything to do with this. No Everybody's more. like, not touching it. No scum. <laughs> no scum. Never- <laughs> So it was said that when they read rode the elevator down that it smushed it. Like it was <gasps> uh, right underneath it and so they could smell it so bad. And they were like, No. It's not Maybe important. the murderer just got so nervous. <laughs> it's not not important to our um to our story here. It's just not important. <laughs> oh no. mm. I could not even <laughs> look at her like, did somebody just shit everywhere? Did someone do did someone do that? Someone's yeah. part? In the middle of the murder like, oh my god. The tacos. The tacos are coming. Now I gotta go now. Um <laughs> two notes were found. They became known as the murder notes, as they as supposedly were written. <laughs> Did they write it with a number two pencil? <laughs> they were <laughs> okay. Sorry. They were supposedly written by Mary as she was dying. So as she's dying, she just has some time to like 
casually write out not one but two notes saying who did it <laughs> i'm not saying this make fun of her can you imagine like started writing and you really messed up like, oh, never mind this one let me start again <laughs> let me start over <laughs> casually while she's dying no big deal um the notes accuse a black man a negro of killing her body or her, killing her body <laughs> mm-hmm. oh of killing her saying in quotes this is a direct quote from it okay a long, tall, Negro black. That who, H-O-O, who it was. W-A-S-E. Mm-hmm. That's the note. So initially, Newt Lee was arrested for the murder. That's the security, security guard. guard. Yeah, he was arrested for the murder after a detective broke into his house and found a blood-soaked shirt. So they were like, I broke into your house, dude. Like, I didn't get a search warrant. I didn't do any of that. But, like, snuck into your house. Found this shirt covered in blood. Don't know if it has anything to do with this murder. But you're going down for it now. Um, Like, in the... in the, They can't test blood then, can they? In 1913, there was no blood testing. New. Um, new. Hmm. But... But did he say why he had a bloodstained shirt? No, but he was kept in jail for, like, 30 days. So there was some grilling going on for three days. Right. So Leo Max Frank, he's the one that actually gave Mary her money when she came to <laughs> Ailey's eating. And she like sneakily backed away from the, <laughs> the funniest thing ever. Like I can't we are recording one of these podcasts. So it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was the one that gave Mary her whole dollar twenty. Who? Leo, Max Frank is the manager. He's the one that gave Mary her, all of her money. He stated first that Newt, the watchman's time card, had been punched every thirty, which has to be punched every thirty minutes during rounds, was punched properly. But he changes his story later and says, "Oh, it's missing three punches." So it went from being like. He did his job. It, it's like it's supposed to, to now he didn't do his job. Mm-hmm. But the police decided that Newt was not the killer. Leo. And he was released. All Leo. right. Do they do they solve this murder? We'll see. Bitch. We'll see. Okay. Don't don't put your cart before the horse, okay? <laughs> okay. Galileo. <laughs> calm down. That's not the right. No. Who's <laughs> Galileo? He no. wasn't a poet. <laughs> Galileo. What? Hold on. Hey Siri. <laughs> hey Siri. Freddie Mercury. Way to go, Freddie Mercury. Putting your cart what the did Galileo do? On it. <laughs> Get on it faster. Here's what I found from Britannica. He was a philosopher, y'all bitches. I was right. That's not a poet. Well, a philosopher, they come up with like sayings like that, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, Galileo. Calm your titties. Titties are calm. Okay. (laughs) May 1st, Mm -hmm. E.F. Holloway, the plant's day watchman, found... Did it. Sorry. This is the first episode all over again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Found the first... Or found Jim Conley, who is the plant's janitor, washing a shirt with suspicious stains. Looked a little bit like blood. 
Mm. Jim tried to hide the shirt and later claimed that the stains were from rust. Mm -hmm. From the pencil factory. Very rusty. Mm -mm. E.F. Holloway told reporters that he believed that Jim Conley had killed Mary while he was drunk. And then possibly for the wages. Like, he he killed her. He was drunk. He wanted her money. Give me that dollar, 32. Dollar 20. I'm sorry. Give me that dollar 20. Yeah, give me that dollar 20. Jim Conley, who was the janitor, like I said, was a criminal who spent some time on a chain gang. He had a history of heavy drinking and violence. Mm. So, real upstanding guy. Sounds like it. Real lovely. To further incriminate him. Incriminate? Incriminate? Mm hmm. I and you said it. Cr- <laughs> okay. <laughs> Further, on crime dates. <laughs> I, like, I don't even know how to. I don't even. Know. Um, Will Green, who was a carnivore worker, came forward. Carnival, a carnivore. Carnival. Oh gosh, sorry. I was like, what? Okay, I'm <laughs> with you. Bang. You know, like the Ferris wheel. <laughs> um, he came forward and he said that while they were praying craps at the factory, Jim told him that he was going to rob a girl who walked by. Will got scared and ran away. As I would too. Right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, peace. Yeah. yeah. Have fun with that. Uh huh. Uh huh. An insurance salesman, William Mincy, said that he ran into Jim on the street. Jim was drunk and told him, I've killed one today and I don't want to kill another. Oh, sh. Neither of these men testified in court. But Jim Conley did. He testified in court that he only had a grade school education and he didn't know how to read and write. And he pointed the finger at guess who? Lee. Leo. Leo. He said. I knew it. Yep. It, it was factory manager Leo Max Frank. Jim claimed that he saw Leo in the dark in the factory. Leo was upset, dictated the murder notes to him, gave him cigarettes, and said, get on out of here. Get on out of here, boy. <laughs> Jim claims that he left the factory and went to see a movie and went drinking. Mm-hmm. Where'd that take a stub? Right. Police believe Jim Conley, though. Lies. Even after his story changed many times, mm-hmm. they were already suspicious of Leo. Because one of Mary's friends, George Epps, who was also 13 working at the factory, said that Mary was frightened of Leo. He had been flirting with her and made her feel uncomfortable. The police said that when they called Leo, he didn't answer his phone on their first call at 4 a.m. They have phones? Yeah, house phones. Oh, okay. <laughs> Who's calling him at 4 a.m.? Police, because there's a oh, dead God. body. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was like, I don't understand. <laughs> call me at a reasonable hour. Get back. <laughs> Just don't call me. <laughs> they felt like Leo was too nervous when they made him go to the factory right away. So nervous, in fact, that he was... Un- that he shit his pants. In the... El- okay. Never mind. <laughs> that he was unable to perform simple tasks. And they also felt like he gave two in-depth answers to some questions. And that was suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't Don't be be suspicious. suspicious. (laughs) (laughs) On top of Jen's... Jen? I don't know who Jen is. But Jim. New person. (laughs) This new person, Jen. (laughs) On top of Jim's story, the solicitor, Hugh Dorsey, who's going to be the prosecutor, had a statement from Nina Frombe. 
Oh, she that? was a madame of a bordello. Oh, okay. She, a madame, just like an escort. She she was like the house, like the the household. Yeah, she was the pimp. The pimp, yeah, or the, the pimp, the pimpy, the pimpette. She pimped the other girls out. Okay, okay. She says that Leo made several phone car calls to the whorehouse throughout the day, asking for a room for him and a young girl. The maid, however, Ooh. says that Leo never called, and if he had called, that she would have been the one to answer the phone, not Nina. Okay. Either way, all these added up. And on May 24th of 1913, the grand jury indicted Leo for murder. Okay. You See, want... from the beginning. Yeah, you called it. Mm-hmm. You want to talk a little about about Leo? Get, get a little bit of his his history? His history? I do. Yes. He Bring was it on. born April 17th in 1884 in Curo, Texas, to a nice Jewish family. Okay. Soon after being born, they moved to Brooklyn, New York. He graduated from Connell University, Dang. Connell University, in 1906 with an engineering degree. Damn! Right. In 1910, he married Lucille Selig, and Frank was eventually hired to work at his uncle's pencil factory and promoted to factory superintendent. But it ended up not. It wasn't actually his uncle's pencil factory. His, it was like back then, like quote uncle. Like his mm. uncle just like had a lot of stock in it. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, he didn't actually own it. He just gave him a lot of money. Right. He was an investor. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Leo is a smart man, and he's traveled all over studying. He went to Germany and Germany, and I don't remember the other places. He went to Germany and Germany? I, I feel like Germany is pretty far and impressive <laughs> to learn how to make the pencils, okay? Okay. So, Leo's trial starts on July 28th, and it's a hot summer in georgia the windows in the courthouse were left open and because of all the media coverage and the fact that mary was a 13 year old girl mm -hmm. and jim was black and leo was a jewish man mm -hmm. there was a lot of interest in this case oh my goodness we want justice for mary i bet it was hot as hell yeah i got married and i didn't get married in july never mind you got married in June, and I got married in August. How they were both hot as shit. How is it that I know when you mm. got married? I don't know, because my baby was born in July. I don't know. The courtroom was packed with a lot of people, and on top of that, people were gathered outside City Hall to watch the trial through the windows. Can you imagine people, like, fighting over, like, pushing each other out of the window? Like, right. Black Friday of a murder trial. Right? Like, I want to see. I want to see. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would be like, I want to see. <laughs> Yeah. I'm over here like, I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, the star witness here, has changed his story several times after being interviewed and kind of coached by the police. The last story being that Leo asked him to guard the door while Leo engaged in sexual activities with Mary. Oh, my god! But that something went wrong and Mary fell against the machine and died. First of all... It was supposed to be in the office. There's no machines in the office. Mm -hmm. But somehow Mary magically got out of the office and fell against a machine and died. So, like, doesn't add up, but it right. is what it is. Jim claims that Leo paid him $200 Dang. to help him move the body. Would you like to know? I would love to know. Would you like to take a guess? Okay, 1913 and it's $200. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go with $30,000. 
it is $5,351.05. This is like the people that are paying your murder for hires. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, we always get $5,000. Okay, I would like to know how... Ha- uh, we can't be using the right. Let me let me let, uh, let me adjust for inflation. Can you tell me that year again, please? Nineteen thirteen. All right, nineteen thirteen, and it is two hundred dollars because I just adjusted for inflation on mine, and mine's like ridiculous. Two hundred dollars done. Calculate. Are you right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just over here looking all smug at you, like mm, how the mm. mine is a crazy mine's mine's a crazy inflation. Well, the more money, the higher it gets. So yeah, but dang, it's a lot more years too. So yeah. I feel like it should whatever. All right, so back to the story. Jim claims Leo pays him the two hundred dollars to help move the body, and so they drag Mary down the hall to the elevator and then into the basement where they leave her. Police say, let me see that money. But Jim's like, you know what? Leo took it back. He gave me $300, but then he took it back. Like, I don't have it to show. The prosecution has several theories. One being that Jim's statement, or last statement of the night, is true. And that Leo was the one to murder Mary. They believe that Leo Frank dictated the murder notes to Jim in order to pin the murder on Newt Lee, who was the first man arrested, who's also black. Remember the bloody shirt that was found in Newtley's house? Mm-hmm. Prosecution says that Leo broke in and planted it there in order to frame him. We were just hmm. trying to frame him. So Jim Conley also accused Leo. This is just like a he said, he said, he said, he said. Yeah. Oh, my God. The I'm, whole so case, <laughs> I'm so confused. I'm so confused. The whole case rests on one man saying Leo did it. Like the whole case. He says that Leo is a man whore. He often has sex with women in his office at the factory and pays him to stand outside and guard. Some other man comes forward and corroborates this story and says, yeah, he pays me too. But just so we're clear, that other man was also a criminal. So not not <laughs> that like you can't commit a crime and still tell the truth because obviously you can. Yeah. But I'm just saying. Hmm. Jim does change his story several times, but he does admit to being an accessory to the murder. So they say, well, we understand why you changed your story because you didn't want to go down for this murder. Right. Many white observers, because it's 1913, also feel like Jim has to be telling the truth. Do you want to guess why? Um, no. Well, as a black man... Jim is not smart enough to come up with such a complicated story. Oh, my God. So, it's obvious that he's telling the truth. Oh, my God. Just like the investigation, the trial has many flaws. The prosecution's case all seems to rest on the story of Jim Conley, someone who admitted to lying several times and whose story was changed more often than it stayed the same. And stories of Leo flirting with women. Um, Leo was obviously a whore Yeah. So... The defense tries to counteract the claims with the witness and says, or with witness after witness claiming that Leo is a good man and he would never do something like this. Horseshit. And Leo might be a good man. You don't know his life. Horseshit. On, I can read between the lines. You just think he's a man whore? Do you think he killed her? Oh, I, I'm just going with he's a man whore. Okay. And that just makes me angry enough to where I'm like, he did it. Okay. Well, 
August. Was he married? Was he married? Yes, he was married. Remember, he got married in 1910. Oh, hell no. Mm-mm. No, he did it. Send his ass to prison. Just so you know, there are also plenty of people that come forward and say that there was no way he could have been sleeping with the women in the um, factory, that everyone would have known about it, and no one did. But there are plenty of women that come forward and say that he sexually harasses them. Well, I hate him. So I hate him. Very confusing. Mm-mm. Hate. Hate. Okay. So, on August 18th of 1913, Leo takes the stand. He claims that on the day of the murder, he was very busy when Mary came to collect her money. He claimed that he did not even know her name, but he had seen her around the family. He said that when police forced him to go to the factory that night, that they didn't tell him why he was going. And so, that's why he was nervous. Because they just came and woke him up and were like, come to the factory, we're going. And that when he saw the body, he became completely unstrung. And shit his pants? No. Oh. And he said it was a scene that would have melted stone because she was a 13-year-old girl that had been brutally murdered. Ooh, I hate him. <laughs> Leo claimed that all of Jim's testimony is a big fat lie, that everything that Jim says that he did is not true. That's not at all what happened. The prosecution then brought up several witnesses claiming that they had seen Leah with Mary several times a day, that they had even seen him place his hand on her shoulder. Very scandalous. <laughs> However, none of them have anything to say about the day of the murder. Like, nobody sees him with her the day of the murder or anything like that. But he knows who she is. I mean, just because he put his hand on her shoulder does not mean that he necessarily knows her name. Whatever, he did it. Well, okay. You can be part of that that crew <laughs> the defense argues that leo is simply a victim of rampant anti-semitism saying that leo's misfortune is that he comes from a race of people who have made money and that if frank hadn't have been a jew he would never be prosecuted because mm. in the 1913s you know like it wasn't the best to not be a white man in georgia in georgia yeah i mean i love it here but 1913 it was a different time <laughs> yeah leo max frank was found guilty of murder and judge roan sentenced him to be hanged by the neck until he shall be dead and may god have mercy on his soul wow leo of course appeals and the supreme court of georgia says nah Wow. Um, the case does not end there. Some new evidence starts to come in. Oh, like real evidence that they missed in the beginning? All those all those things that they ignored? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I didn't mention this earlier. I wonder if the Supreme Court was like, excuse me, sir, what about the doo-doo? <laughs> you missed some important fecal matter. Right. Yeah. But I did mention... Oh, also, mm-hmm. it was below an elevator? Yes. They like, have elevators then, or was it just like a pulley system? Well, no, it was like an actual elevator. I don't, Alexa, I think they have elevators. What years were elevators invented? Oh. They have okay. electronics. Yeah. Electronics? But this is like, it's not like an elevator like we see it today. Like you couldn't get beneath it, right? It's like the one that. Is in a wall? Ours now are in a wall. And this one. Oh, that's like, right. Like, you know, just comes down and is there. Like a pulley system, so, a cage. It's like it's like you're seeing on construction sites. Yeah. Like the little that's on the outside of the building and it kind of goes up and down. Yeah, and you yeah. have to like shut the cage. I'm just up. like 
Like, in my head, I'm imagining, like, you know, like, in movies where there's witches and they hang people by these cages above the boiling water? I imagine that, but then can you imagine them, like, coming down on the over and splat! <laughs> what um, is that shit? <laughs> it's shit! <laughs> Splattering on people. <laughs> Everybody's like, ew, ew! No! <laughs> okay, sorry. Whew, okay. <laughs> So, yes, they did ignore the shit. Okay. But there was hair that was found outside of Leo's office, and they said that that's Mary's hair, proof he did it, which is fucking stupid because she works in the office, so it could have been there. Mm -hmm. The doctor that performs this examination says that it didn't come from Mary. It came from another girl. I even told the prosecution that before the trial, but they ignored it because, you know, didn't help their case, so... They just ignored that finding. They used it to convict him. Oh, my gosh. But it wasn't actually him. Then Nina Frombe, the, you know, the madame. Yeah. She admits that no call was ever made by Leo that day. Detectives have given her alcohol, boozed her up, and then, like, convinced her to make the false statement against Leo. Oh, my gosh. A woman comes forward named Annie Carter. Okay. And she says that in return for accepting his offer of marriage, Jim, Jim Conley, Mm -hmm. confesses to her that he killed Mary Fagan. (gasps) Said that he hit her in the head with his fist and then dropped her down a scuttle hole into the basement. What? And then How hard did he hit her? Pretty hard if it killed her and caved her head in. (laughs) Jesus. And then made a plan to frame Newt Lee. You know, that was why the bloody shirt was found. Oh, my God. That he's the one that did it. He had been convicted for his part in the murder, and he was sentenced to one year in prison for what he says he did. What not, a slap on the wrist. Not after this claim, mm-hmm. but the saying that I helped move her body. Right. All of this starts to cause some doubt of Leo's guilt. Because, you know, stuff is coming up left and right, um, including human shit. (laughs) And it says that the presumption overwhelming that the jury responded to the passions of the mob. Remember, there were so many people there. And that the mob law does not become due process of law by securing the um, assent of a terrorized jury. So, basically, the people being there in the courtroom, so many people being there, so many people being outside, that all hated Leo... And wanted to see him hang are the reason that he was convicted. Not Okay. Like no. what is that called now? It's like mob mentality. Yeah, mob mentality. So it wasn't that he was actually guilty. It was just that, you know, they said mm-hmm. they were they were scared. Right. Also, the Georgia governor who was getting ready to leave office, like his sentence was over, John M. Slanton came forward and commuted Leo's death sentence to life in prison. So he didn't pardon him. He just commuted his death sentence. Yes. Is this the same one from 1909 from our Savannah murders that pardoned? It might be. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we're going to have to look. So this governor had gotten a letter from the judge in the case, the Joe Drone that had initially sentenced him to death and said that he feels like he got it wrong, that Leo was not guilty, and can you please rectify my mistake in sentencing him to death? So he doesn't pardon him because if he pardoned him, there would be an uproar. Mm-hmm. There still was an uproar, but he commutes the sentence. He believes that with all the new evidence coming out, that Leo could be found not guilty when granted a new trial. Okay. 
But that didn't go over well with people. People were mm. not happy. They were pissed. Pissed. Protesters ended up placing a dummy that had a sign reading, John M. Slayton, King of the Jews and Georgia's traitor forever. And they surrounded the governor's home with, like, rocks and stuff. And the Georgia militia, is what it said, had to help them out. Oh, my gosh. While all this is happening, Leo is even attacked in prison. A fellow inmate took a a butcher knife to his throat as he slept and cut him. But doctors were able to stop the bleeding and Leo survived. But on August 16th of 1915, a mob of 25 men calling themselves the Knight of Mary Fagan stormed the prison of, in Milledgeville and took Leo. Oh my gosh. They drive him to Marietta. Stop. This mob included lawyers, former governor, judges, doctors, and the son of a U.S. senator. Whoa. The mob's plan is to get a confession out of Leo, but the entire time he professes his innocence and refuses to admit to the murder. He is taken to Frey's Gin, two miles west of Marietta, where Sheriff William Frey had already prepared the site with a rope and table. Oh my gosh. Leo asked that they allow him to write a note to his wife and cover the lower half of his body as he's only in a nightshirt. And the last words of Leo Max Frank are, I think more of my wife and my mother than I do of my own life. Oh, my gosh. And they hung him. Oh, my gosh. So, Leo is buried in Mount Hebron Cemetery in Flushing, New York. And then it is said that many of the members of the mob helped form the new KKK. You know, like the big thing was coming through at Stone Mountain. They did that. That doesn't surprise me. Right? Following this lynching, many Jewish people left the state of Georgia. I want to say that there's like 3,000 in the state of Georgia at that time. And over half of them left because they were terrified. Of this mob. Yeah. Stupid mob. So, let's talk about that shit some more. Oh, my God. Okay. You know I love a good shit talk. Jim Conley eventually admits that that was his shit. Which takes away... Like, it proves that it's impossible for them to have used the elevator to bring her body. Because, you know, he claims that they brought her body from upstairs to downstairs using the elevator. And that makes it impossible because it was not smushed until they came down later. What? Right? In 1982, Alonzo Mann, I guess, worked at the factory at the time, swears in an affidavit that he had seen... Jim Conley dragging the body of Mary Fagan while at the factory, and that Jim threatens to kill him if he reported anything that he saw. What? On March 11th in 1986, Leo Max Frank was given a posthumous pardon. It didn't. That doesn't matter now. It doesn't say that he's guilty or innocent. It just says that obviously the trial had its flaws. Uh, yeah. And then March 7th of 2008, leaders in the Jewish community placed a historical marker in front of the building at 12,000 Roswell Road in Marietta, Georgia, which is near where Leo was lynched. So, oh my gosh, Roswell Road, that's a money, honey. The family of Mary Fagan says that Leo Max Frank definitely did it they don't care that this jim conley 
changed Maybe his story so many times, but that he did it. And most other people believe that Leo Max Frank was framed and that Jim Conley actually did it. Maybe it, like, helps the family. Not that, like, there's any excuse, but, like, you know, they're like, I don't want to investigate anymore. He did it because that makes it over. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They killed the wrong man. They did. And he poo-pooed on the floor. He poo-pooed on the floor. Like, <laughs> the whole reason that this this Leo got killed was because they were so racist that they were like, a black man can't come up with this story. We know he's been changing stories, but it's too far-fetched for him to come up with on his own. Yeah. Like, how awful is that? I mean, people suck. Right? Yes, that's terrible. Yeah, basically Ooh. mob mentality just decided that this poor man was guilty and murdered him. Which, I'm not saying he didn't do it, but I'm not saying he did. I'm saying that there's not enough information for me to murder him. Yeah. And none of the people that lynched him were ever prosecuted. Like, the sheriff was there. Oh, they killed him on God. his own property. And the sheriff was like, ah, it's fine. Oh, my gosh. Aren't you glad you aren't around in those days? Yes. Like, I could not keep my mouth shut. You know I'd have been murdered. Oh, I totally would have, They'd have been like, this girl, Mm -hmm. she talks too much. (laughs) (laughs) Ditto. (laughs) All right. Um, Also, I meant to say this in the beginning. Let me me, tell you what I did did this week. Okay. I know this has nothing to do with murder or the case, but, like, I murdered my... Let me, not really. Okay. Okay. So I Instacarted this week. Yes. Also, I tried to cook this week and it all turned into one big f-ing fail. So, oh my gosh. I Instacarted and I needed toilet paper. Like I was out, right? Yeah. Well, it gets there and I open it up and I go to use the bathroom. I'm like, what is that smell? What is that smell? It smells like flowers or something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this toilet paper smells. They have scented toilet paper now? They have scented toilet paper. And I'm like, hold on. Hold, this is mm, mm, I don't know mm, how I feel about that I don't either I'm like hold on like my pH is just gonna be off the fucking charts right yeah like you already had problems that time of week and now you're trying to add flowers into it uh, that it, I'm telling you like I feel like this is the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life is order scented I didn't mean to or who makes scented toilet paper I know you're idea literally asking for a yeast infection it's ridiculous that's is that not the a guy that did it? It is. It's a guy. It's a guy. A guy invented toilet scented toilet paper. Why do I want my toilet paper smelling anyway? He's like, I want my bum to smell like roses. Uh. So I, it was last night. I just went saw something on Facebook. Is when the first female went into space. NASA asked her. They said, "Is a hundred tampons enough for you?" Yes. They gave her so many tampons because these men were so dumb and had no idea how many tampons she would need. How long was she in space? Like three days. Yeah, it wasn't long. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so scented toilet paper is a thing. And if you want to, you know, get sick downstairs. Oh, ooh, that was your leg. Um, if you want to get your downstairs mixed up, all mixed up. Well, call yeah. the toilet paper. I'm going to literally write them and be like, what the are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, y'all, this is going to take some twists and some turns. I okay. actually think that we should get Jordan a chair. Macon. Don't look. 1960. You. She always accuses me of looking at her paper. Because you always look at my paper. I looked at you. Okay, Chip, sorry. I forgot what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. I'm so hungry. Okay. Megan. 1916. 56-year-old Chester Burge was in the hospital recovering from hernia surgery when the radio came through with breaking news. A woman by the name of Mary Burge was discovered dead in her home at 1011 Nottingham Drive this morning. Chester said, what? I think that's my wife. That's my wife. And although the nurses tried to stop him. Can I say something? Yeah. He thinks it's his wife. Like, well, I think it was like, (laughs) I think he said, I think that's my wife. That's my wife. And although the nurses tried to stop him, he left to go home. Well, wouldn't you? Yeah, but Chester Burge was born in 1904 in Macon, Georgia. At the age of 18, he was married to Loreen, who was five years older than him. His marriage was one of the many scandals involving Chester. The marriage only lasted two months when Loreen found out that Chester was a local loan shark. She said, nope, the divorce lasted forever because Chester was put in the loony bin days before divorce court. The only reason known was that he was a threat to himself and and to others, according to his mother. When court finally happened, Loreen said she wanted a divorce because of rape. Scandal. Lorraine said he would force himself, although she was unwilling. However, marital rape wasn't a thing then. It wasn't recognized. Yeah, you should just be, you know, keeping it into us. First of all, <laughs> talk here. <laughs> okay, but, however, it wasn't a thing, wasn't recognized then, but they still granted her to the divorce. Like, he was in a loony band, just let her go. Yeah, you can still be divorced, but. Yeah, but don't claim rape, because. Makes the guy look bad. <laughs> God. God, he's already in the loony bin. Right. Not even a year later, Chester married Mary Kennington, a farmer's daughter who knew nothing about his past. They started a poultry farm and opened up a service station on their property because it was like against one of the main roads mm-hmm. and started bringing in a moolah. In 1926, they had a son named Chester. The molester. <laughs> is that the, oh my God. That's what I named him in a little bit, which is sad. Don't change. Don't, 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 just don't do that to your kid. Then another in 1927 named John after his great grandfather. In 1928, little Chester died. Aww. Oh, which wasn't super uncommon then. And Chester began getting into trouble Wait, with did, the law. Big Chester. Big Chester. Di- little Chester died. Big Chester started getting in trouble. With the law. Correct. Okay. He started getting in trouble with the law. His service station sold bootleg whiskey. And he sold it to an undercover cop. <laughs> and he spent a year in prison. They have to tell you they're a cop. If you ask. <laughs> when released, the Prohibition era was over. So he knew he had to branch out. So he moved to real estate. But he wasn't allowed to own real estate since he was uh, declared incompetent from the loony bin. But didn't he already own real estate? <laughs> no, his wife did. Everything was in Mary's name. Oh, okay, okay. He was basically a slumlord, which I don't really know what that means. I meant to Google that. Is it a term I don't want to say on a podcast? No, like no. Oh, okay. There's like it basically like So you own like crap like yeah. you look at it like section eight housing, but not really section eight housing. It's just like someone that owns like a no tail motel is not doing anything to keep it up and just yeah. wants like okay. hookers and drugs and everything going through who doesn't give a shit about it and that's just Okay. Anyway. Yes. Well, he would sell their property to the illiterate and slide in in the contracts that if one payment was missed, no matter how much you missed it by, you got the property back. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Okay, we would not own our house. 
Then he opened a nightclub, climbing that social ladder. He started riding the coattails of his family, who were the most of the mostest family in town, until they all died off. Then it was his turn. After, <laughs> after he conned them into leaving them the estate to his son, John, because it couldn't go to him. Right. He then conned John into letting him live there, which basically he, like, took it over and ran it and was crazy towards John's wife. Like, John was engaged, like, twice. Both of his wives ended up running from the estate while their moms were in a getaway car. Both of them with only the stuff they could take. You know who this sounds like? H.H. Holmes. It does. Who? So he's he was credited as like the first serial killer in the United States. Mm-hmm. And but he ran a bunch of like different schemes and like insurance. Like he'd yeah, he'd he get like man. he'd get like dead bodies and then claim and get an insurance claim. Then he's like, here's Frank. I just got my hundred thousand dollar insurance on him. So and then he collect insurance and he built like this whole. They call it a murder castle, but he built basically a hotel in mm-hmm. Chicago where he would trick people into staying. Like, and when they get to their rooms, they'd either be like airtight rooms and they'd slowly suffocate or he'd leak gas into it and yeah. kill them. And it's oh, a whole thing. Shit. You should watch it. Yeah. You like it. Oh, I'm going to do that now. Okay. So the family moved to the estate. Lots of family drama. John um, had a son with the second girl. But the son needed treatments because there was something wrong with him. It didn't really go into detail, but his treatments were expensive. But Chester told him, like, I'll pay for these treatments if you give me the kid. What? <laughs> <laughs> I want your child. Uh-huh. I'll take care of him when I have him. Like, mm-hmm. did John give him? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Chester was super racist, but would only hire people of color and generally ex-cons. Their chauffeur was on parole for killing a woman. Chester became more and more infamous, not only for being a douchebag, but for his sexual shenanigans. He was apparently a swinger. Mary just looked past it. Wait, so he was a swinger, but she wasn't? Yeah. Uh, is that, is that considered a thing? I don't know. Yeah, he like, was just a hoe. Yeah, he like, was I feel like at that point, like, you just straight up cheated. Yeah. Like, this is not, <laughs> this yeah. is not a decision that we've made together. <laughs> right. But she knew about it. Like, what did he go She to? must have been like, he's not that good, so no one's going to keep him. <laughs> go to, like, fishbowl parties and be like, my wife didn't come. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <But>. She's sick. <laughs> Again. Again. All right, so fast forward to Mary's D-Day. Death day. <laughs> not funny. <laughs> no, that was funny. I just put D-Day. Okay, anyway. Mary was discovered dead in her bedroom a little after 9 a.m. by one of their maids. The maid, Jessie May, said Miss Birch would never sleep past 9. So she went in there to wake her up, draw the curtains back, and bam, she was dead. Did Chester sneak out of the the hospital, kill her, and then go back to the hospital and then be like, I think that's my wife. Well, hold your titties. All right, it was discovered that she was strangled to death. She had ligatures around her neck and her face was bruised and uh, rigor mortis had already set in. So they determined that the murder happened around midnight. She also had a 10-carat diamond ring that was still on her bloody finger, but the diamond was gone. There were blood trails on the carpet, so they determined she was killed in the room, but then placed in the bed after. Also, she had a closet in her bedroom that was locked, but the hinges were jimmied up. So it was like somebody tried to break in there. And they stole the diamond, but not the ring. Hold the titties. So they also found a fingerprint on the door. Of course, the police wanted to speak to Jesse. 
first since she found the body. She told them that she had just gone to wake her up, she, that nobody else had been in the house. But when asked about anything strange happening lately, Jesse told them about Miss Mary's bird who had died the day before, which wouldn't be weird except for the bird would make all kinds of ruckus when somebody would walk into the house. Like, it would surely have woken people up. Yeah. Um, so someone would know that someone was coming to kill her. Correct. Like if someone maybe snuck out of a hospital and then, like, stuck right. to their house. Maybe. Wait. She likes murder for hire. He hired someone. Hold your titties. Y'all are the worst. Okay. While finishing it, shut your mouth, you dirty skanks. It was already a plan. I hate these two. All right. Are we ready? While finishing up the questioning of Jesse May, Mr. Burge arrives at home all up in arms. He had a stretcher. He had um, the like paramedics or whatever they're called at that time bring him in on a stretcher. That's convenient. Yeah, screaming about how many people were in the house and how they needed to leave. It, he just needed to see his wife. So then he goes in and sees his wife and, of course, is all like up in arms. <laughs> After seeing his wife, police just wanted to ask him some questions. He reluctantly complied. The police. You notice anything strange? Chester. My dead wife? No, nothing stands out. Police. Well, what's in that closet? Chester. Our valuables. So, in the, like, 60s, rich people had separate bedrooms. Like, you didn't sleep with your husband because that meant, like, you had enough money to do so. So, like, this was her bedroom. He had his bedroom. Right? It wasn't, like, uncommon. The dog farted and it smells terrible. Okay. (laughs) He opens the closet for them because they tell Chester this was clearly a robbery. Everything seemed to be intact until he said, surely you already found the wallet. Police were like, what wallet? (laughs) The one underneath the mattress. The police pull a mattress, um, pull a wallet out from underneath the mattress, and it contained one dollar. Chester was like, "No, there should be five thousand in there." Why do you keep? Okay, why do you have a locked closet and you keep five thousand dollars in a wallet under your mattress? I had money in different places. I I mean, not five thousand. I don't have that. (laughs) I have like a couple dollars. what, What year was it? Um, this was 1960. I actually adjusted for inflation. So, and how old was he? Well, so what I was getting at is basically you get to like depression air people. They don't, they're not going to trust the bank. Oh yeah. So they're They're still, yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's my, I mean, it's just my. Don't adjust for inflation. I'm adjusting for inflation. First of all, I'm not adjusting for inflation. I'm doing something that has nothing to do with this podcast because I got bored. (laughs) Just, I'm so just kidding. Adjusted for inflation in 1960, $5,000 equals $44,742. $44,000. Like, that's crazy to me. Yeah, that's a lot. Crazy train. All right, scandals. Mary and Chester were known for their lavish, over-the-top spending and parties. They like to show off their money, so maybe somebody took it. Anyway, while processing the scene, the photographer was taking pictures when the flash bounced off of something on the floor. It was the 10-carat diamond. So this wasn't robbery? Scandal. Scandalous. Detectives were like, let's check up on the husband's whereabouts just in case. Chester's doctor confirmed that he was in the hospital. He checked on him right before shift change, and if he had gotten up, he would have ruptured all of his incisions. Isn't that convenient? Uh Uh-huh. They were stumped. And then Jesse May recalled an incident that occurred the previous week or so. Apparently, the KKK had paid the Burges a visit. 
Mr. Robert Lee Davidson was head of the douchebags. When they showed up starting their bullshit, Mary said, Robert, what are you doing? Robert said, you know you're renting those houses to black people in a white neighborhood. Mary said, first off, lower your voice when you're talking to me. Can you, I mean, like, that's literally what she said. I picture people in Victorian air clothing, but speaking, like, exactly like she is. Like, first of all, <laughs> like, with a big-ass dress. And I'm like, you do know she, this is the 60s. Though. I know, I'm just saying. <laughs> I imagine like that, too, yeah. yeah. Just her presentation. Uh-huh. Okay, she three. said, first yeah. of all, lower your voice when you're talking to me. I don't see why all of this is necessary, or why all of this is necessary we can't have rental property sitting vacant. A yelling match ensued until Chester walked out the door with a gun saying, this carnival of imbeciles is trespassing on my property. So it kind of gives you a little more respect yeah. for Chester the molester over there. His wife. Go ahead. It was a standoff with guns. David said, I will blow your head off. Mary stepped in, calming the situation, but it ended with Davidson saying, fix this or we'll be back. So detectives decide to go for the dumbasses over there at the clan cave or wherever they go to jerk each other off. That's <laughs> <laughs> literally what I wrote. They, they spoke with Davidson, who said, this has nothing to do with us. Burge evicted those N-words, is what he said, like we said he needed to do, but they weren't happy about it. Police were like, oh, the grand whatever of the douche black clan is telling us that these colored folks did it. That must be the truth. Surely he would never try to frame someone out of pure ignorance, right? Right. Just kidding. He fucking lied. Because he's the head of the douchebag clan. Of course he's trying to blame somebody else. Douchebag. Sorry. I can say curse words when we're talking about racist people. So suck my ass. Get them all in now. (laughs) All right. So remember Chester's Chester's crooked landlording spiel or whatever it's called. The police went around and rounded up any of the colored people that had lawsuits out against Chester as a landlord on what they called open charges. So like we can't tell you what you're arrested. Just open charges. Just come on and we're arresting you. You're just arrested, but but we don't know why. We're gonna figure it out. And held them, questioning everybody. But there was no evidence, so eventually they were released. A week later, the fingerprints came back from the lab. It was Chester's, which was no big deal. It was his house. Right. Okay. Police were thinking, this has to be an insider. Someone with the key. So they arrest Jesse May. Oh, okay. Yeah, just because. <laughs> we don't know who all could have done it. So. <laughs> they also arrest Lewis Johnson, the chauffeur, the criminal. Both were like, we were at home at 10-ish. So they were separated. They were both like, I got home about 10. She's like, I got home about 10. But around midnight, she said about, but around midnight, Lewis came over to my house. And they were like, why? And she was like, he stayed all night. Like, we bow chicka wow wow. My D appointment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) The police didn't believe them 100%. So they questioned them together. It just, it just dawned on me. Mm -hmm. Both of our people, they get murdered. Named Mary and the KKK is involved in both of our stories. Oh, yeah. And well, they're both in Georgia. The grand douchebag <laughs> wagon. Yes. <laughs> in their clan cave jerking each other off. <laughs> Douche twats. That's how you have to refer to them from now on. <laughs> <laughs> that is. All right. <clears throat> 
So they were like, we didn't want the money. We didn't want the diamonds. Like, we liked Miss Mary. We wish she was still here. She just put up with so much. And they were like, head turn, what? Like, what are you talking about? And they were real reserved. They were like, mm, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say. Jesse May was like, oh, nothing. And the police were like, what is going on? And she was like, nothing. And then the police were like, tell us. And she said, it's not my place. It's not my marriage. Police were like, tell us. And she was like, well, Mr. Burge had a certain quality. He was a swinger without yeah. the without other swingette. <laughs> yep. He had a friend. They said, what was her name? Oh, he was gay. I'm going to say, who said it was they said, or They said, what was her name? Jesse May said, it was a he. It was a young he. Mrs. Birch wasn't very keen on it. I mean, would you? Plot twist! <laughs> when I say young. Oh, God, no. Okay. It didn't take police long to find this youngster. Apparently, he was at all of the events and all the parties. Fritz Phillip. He was from Trenton, New Jersey. Ten days after the murder, police find, fly out to Jersey to meet with Fritz. They asked him about the nature of their relationship with Chester. He said, I'm sure you can guess the nature of our relationship. We met through family that was buying properties in Georgia. The day we met, I drove them back to Georgia, and we immediately became friendly in the car with Mary in the back seat. With Ew. the grand douchebag wagon? <laughs> what? With his wife in the back seat? In the back all. seat. In the back well, seat. Well, I mean, they were a swinger. No, he <laughs> yeah. was a cheater. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, mm. Okay. After that, Chester was swooning over Fritz. So he continues to fly him back and forth for visits. He even stayed in the master bedroom with the master when he came to visit. Master. Aiding. <laughs> they then asked Fritz about his relationship with Mary, in which he said, We were good. We were cordial. I'm sure it bothered her, but that's not my problem. She wasn't opposed to what was going on as long as nobody in Macon knew. Everybody knew. All the people knew. However, if you wanted to be in like high society or in the country club, if you wanted access to the country clubs, you had to be married. And she was not about to give up that lifestyle. Fritz told police he was in New Jersey during the murder. So, you know, <laughs> he said, listen, I'm not the only one. He's been doing this for a while. So if you want answers, you might want to talk to the chauffeur. Now back to Lewis, the chauffeur. The police straight up said, tell us who he's involved with. Lewis said, I can't tell you much. But that, but what bothered me was that boy. That real young boy, Tommy. Okay, ready? The high school senior would work on Chester's car. And Chester decided he would take him under his wing. So he talked the boy's parents into letting him intern for him and for the summer and go to Europe to live with uh, Chester in the summer. I'll uh, pay you for your child. Mm-hmm. So the parents said, yeah. I, I don't know. I get, because I give the parents the benefit of the doubt. Because it sounds, I mean, if you don't know anything, you're like, hey, this guy's... My boss. My boss yeah. wants me to intern, intern with him in Europe. Yeah, I mean, and do that. that and travel and this set me up. and Yeah. So it sounds amazing. And then you hear... I mean, if it wasn't consensual, I don't know mm -hmm. yet. But if it wasn't consensual, like, I would be fucking devastated. Yeah. Now, when Mary found out, she was pissed. Pissed. 
She's like, no, 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 no. I'm drawing the line. This is a no. Just because, like, when you travel, the rule was when you travel, that's all you. Do whatever you got to do. But when you're home, it's a different story. And you are certainly not going to take this 17, 16, 17-year-old boy that works at the car place right down the road and start with no. No. So she put it into it. She said, not from this town, not child. No, she put it into it and he was livid. Police were wondering, was Chester mad enough to do this? Seems like an option. Let's get him. They then go to the hospital and question people. One of the nurses said, he was here. I gave him a double dose of sedatives and he went to bed. And they were like, okay. She's like, now I'm not 100% sure if he left or not. We had shift change. And when they asked her if she noticed anything weird, she was like, I mean, well, there were these two men that came in after visiting hours, one white, one black, but I didn't get a good look at them. So I like, I don't know what they looked like. I like how also they're like, we gave them a double dose of sedative. Like, we'll give you a little extra. (laughs) You're annoying the shit out of me. Here's four. (laughs) All right. Seriously, everyone is useless here. They need help. So they call, they call, they call. They call old Fritzy Witsy back, and they bring him to make him, hoping he'll help. Fritz tells them that back in January, him and Chester had gone to Florida to see about buying this hotel. And while on the way back, they stopped at one of Chester's cousin's house, where he proclaimed his love to them and told him that he was going to leave Mary and be with Fritz forever. He was going to buy this hotel. He was going to run it. They were going to live together in happiness and joy, whatever. Mary caught word. And she was furious. This means she's going to lose her lifestyle. Yeah. Nope. So she confronts Chester as they arrive. Literally walked in the door and she's like, you're sick. You're really sick. I've spoken with a doctor. I've been doing research and we need to cure, cure you. We need to have a lobotomy done. Oh. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We need to have a lobotomy done to cure this, to get this out of you. And um, he's like, you're mad. You're crazy. Yeah, I would tell you you were crazy too. <laughs> I know. I would like to start this off with, um, listen, sorry we're so late because somebody the other day, we recorded our entire podcast the other day. So we're actually starting in the middle of, not that y'all know that because we're going to motion together. But this is a few days later because somebody with the name that starts with a B um, forgot to press record on the back half of my podcast. First of all, stop making me pause the podcast halfway You were through. writing notes to your husband about what you wanted from Taco Bell. You? Instead of paying attention. It's not true. I was paying attention. No, you weren't. Um, but I wanted us together, all of us, to have Taco Bell. So you're welcome. And, um... <clears throat> Stop making me pause the podcast. That's just you people. are not paying attention. I was paying attention. No, I can tell you exactly what happened. Well, now we're starting in the middle. Okay, so let's finish this. So she confronts Chester as they arrive home. Also, y'all better react like you've never heard this story. Before. <gasps> yeah. Don't worry, okay. I don't have any memory. So. <laughs> so she confronts Chester as they arrive home, saying, "You're sick, very sick. I've been researching, and we need to cure you with a lobotomy." Because that'll do it. Yeah. Those have always worked well in the past. Yes. (laughs) Historically, very, very good. (laughs) Yeah. He said, you are out of your cotton picking mind. She said, we're cutting this out. I've made arrangements for you to see Dr. Thigpen. Like, legitimately. 
cutting it out. Going into <laughs> your brain and cutting the gay out is basically what she's saying. <laughs> That's so, the best way that I've ever heard that said. <laughs> I mean, We're going to cut the gay away. Yeah, cut the gay away is what she's saying. Like, what the fuck ever. They both get evaluated and then doctor was like, a lobotomy is not going to work on you in this case. I mean, the doctor literally... There's what too much gay to idiot. cut out. Yes. If we cut the gay away, you can't use your right hand. <laughs> and then what can you... You're, you're useless if you you're can't use your hand. You're useless as a gay guy. I mean... <laughs> a lobotomy won't work. You need to... Well, the thing you need to remove is Fritz. Yeah. Because he's the problem. Right. So he left. So Fritz left. You know, Fritz uh, better feel pretty loved. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... Because he does a lot for him. <laughs> He told the police what him and Chester had wasn't that important. Is what Fritz said. Fritz said, listen, like, what we had was not that important. Like, it's not a big deal. It was just the sex. Yeah. He's like, so, I mean, really, I was fine with leaving. But really, Chester was, like, in love with Fritz, right? Because he had already told everybody, I'm going to marry him. Blah, blah, blah. Police now think Chester was so pissed at Mary for cock-blocking him so many times <laughs> that he lost it. How dare your wife cockblock you? Um, that's what I'm saying. She Damn wouldn't let wife. him go to Europe with that teenage boy. She wouldn't, like, she heard about the hotel and put that to an end. She's a horrible f***ing wife. I'm telling you. Tell you. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's it. So they went digging into his background. They just now discovered Chester's documents declaring him mentally insane. Also discovering that everything he had was in her name. You know, with all the properties and everything like that. She owned everything, all the things, all the things, all the stuff was in her name because, you know, he was incompetent from the Looney house. And do you know why he was put in the Looney house? His mama put him in there. Because he's he crazy. Because he was gay. Is what they're assuming because on none of the documents does it say why. She just said he's harmed to himself and others. Yeah. When really she's just been there. They're just ashamed of it. So yes. That's, that's, you must be it's, crazy. It's better to be crazy than gay. So I, let's go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, women oh, win oh the insane God. asylum because they had periods. Yeah. And I would oh. love that. If one week a month I got to go away and not have to do anything. For an entire, I, yes. For the entire week, I'd that's be like, so okay. Nice. Uh, absolutely. Sign me up. I'm, I'm in. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Do I need to stay here for two weeks just in case? Okay. <laughs> yeah. The week before and the week of, please. Just okay. So the she. Plumbing in that place. <laughs> <laughs> Tampons everywhere. All right. So because she owned all the things, divorce wasn't going to work. Um, because alimony wasn't really a thing, right? Mm-hmm. So as long as she was alive, she had complete control over her thing. If dead, that means he'd get about half a million. Well, what is that in today's dollars? Well, well, you know what? When we recorded the last episode, which was the last half of my episode last week. I don't week, know what you're talking about recording before. Um, <laughs> yeah, when Beth forgot to press record, I had actually um, adjusted this for you, inflation. You could have wrote this down and then you would know. Uh, well, we could have done it the first time. And... Beth, you don't have them to stand on this. <laughs> <laughs> Stop making me pause halfway through the recording. Oh, my gosh. Okay, okay. So, on May 31st, 1960, three weeks later, Chester was arrested for the murder of his wife. Scandalous. Dun, 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 dun. The trial started on November, in November of 1960, and it was the biggest thing that happened to Macon in a long time. The prosecution says that Chester left the hospital that night. He goes home, kills her, and tries to make it look like a robbery. Came back and laid in the hospital unseen. 
they use the fingerprints on the closet door as evidence. But, like, how? It's his home. Well, that doesn't make sense because... I wrote, yeah, me too. Yeah. It's his home. Yeah. Um, But when questioned on the same, the stand during the trial, a chauffeur was like, the house was thoroughly cleaned on Wednesday. Who cleans the closet doors? Who? It was like, it was on the, what are the thing, what's the thing called? The hinge. The hinge. The hinge. Like, who cleans Who cleans that? Nobody cleans that. You can find my fingerprints. All over the place. All over. And, and you can find my fingerprints at your house. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like. I say, it's just like the, just the amount of, of like, evidence that would be there. It's like, hey, you're, it's your house. Good. My pubes are in the shower, too. Guess yeah. what? Right? <laughs> I, I, I was home. <laughs> I mean, it's just how it is. So, <laughs> you can't use that as evidence. Exactly. Because then you can't even times. And I guess they're trying to timestamp it from when they cleaned it. Mm-hmm. Because he was in the hospital, so they're like, "Well, it had to be cleaned. Why would his fingerprints be there? Because it was the day before the murder that it was cleaned." So, like, the only way to me you can allow that as evidence if you search the entire house and not find another fingerprint. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, in your house. Um, so they cleaned the day before, so his fingerprints shouldn't be there. Is what they're saying. The prosecution saying. I'm gonna go ahead and call the bullshit. Bull honky because I mean he's I don't still cuss. a douchebag. He's still a douchebag. Mr. Milner, that one was silly. I don't do it. <laughs> um, he's still a douchebag though. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So the defense basically said, "Yeah, we all hate him. He sucks." But like, let's remember during this trial, he's on trial for murder, nothing else. So like, he's on trial for murder. He's not on trial for being a douchebag. We all know that. Like, don't hold this against him. It's for strictly murder. And that's that's. A good way to do it. Don't right. bring in bad character. Right. When this is what we're looking. That at. would be so hard, though. Like as, a jury, I'd be, as the jury, you know, like I'd be like, yes, it doesn't make sense that like this that he done that he had, that he did it, but like he fucking sucks. I'd be yeah. like, okay, I don't think he did it because the whole fingerprint thing is not doing it for me, but I don't like him, so kill him. Well, <laughs> and, and the thing about that too is that the jury most of the time probably won't know anything about him. It's just the prosecutors that have done the digging into it. Yes. So it's more or less telling the prosecutor and the defense, like, don't bring up that he's a fucking jackass. But the like, prosecution's like, yeah, let me make it. Yeah, let me make it because that makes my case look better. But right. No, this is what it is. Right. They had the doctor testify that Chester had the surgery. When he had the surgery, he had double sedatives. And a sleeping pill that night. So, like, there was no way he could get out of the hospital and leave. Like, he was zonked the fuck out. Like, I feel like they didn't notice if he had left, right? Well, that's what you were thinking. That's what you would think, right? Yeah. Um, but <laughs> after. Especially on double sedatives. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, after six hours, the jury found him. Oh. <laughs> that's a mic. Okay. What did they find him? They found him not guilty. That's because you already know that because we recorded it last time. I was going to say guilty. I <laughs> said not guilty last time Whatever. too. So just several of the jurors thought they had someone, he had somebody murder his wife, but that's not what they were asked to do, right? Yeah. After years of investigations, even further, it is believed that the two visitors that came into the hospital that night to get the key from Chester murdered Mary for him, and he paid them the $5,000. 
Because Did everybody, everybody wants five thousand dollars to kill somebody. Like I don't understand. I don't get it. That's you why, no. That's why I keep our bank account low so that we're <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> oh, is that why that's why we keep it low? That's why we have no money. That's why we're poor. <laughs> Alright, so the day he was acquitted, the courts turned right back around and tried to convict him of sodomy on the chauffeur. But again, no valid proof. So he was released. He skipped town after that. Y'all better act just as surprised as you did the first time. <gasps> this time. You ready? Mm-hmm. He skipped town after uh, moving to Camden, South Carolina, marrying a 75-year-old widow, Anna Dickey Olsen. Poor lady. 18 Anna, years. Anna what? Shut up. No, I didn't Anna hear. Dickey Olsen. Oh, that's her name. I thought you were going to make I a... was like, Anna Dickey Olsen? Like, what the fuck is a Dickey Olsen? <laughs> like, is that something I don't know? <laughs> All right, so 18 years his senior. So he's a, you know he was marrying her for that money. He's like, you're going to die sure soon. Was. You're going to die soon and I'm going to get it. That's why I said take the wheel on the headboard. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I can't do this. I can't do this. Ooh, house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is only five months after Mary's murder. He married somebody else. Rude. Right? They moved to Palm Springs. Palm Beach. I'm sorry. Palm Beach, Florida. Anna started really worrying about Chester's past. The more she learned, the more scared she got. We right. probably should have learned before we got the Mary. Right. Yeah. I just don't know why he. We had to have so many manservants in the house. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. The um Anna went home to visit with family, and probably just to get away from Chester the molester because like, you know, right? Bye. Yeah. And this was in I think it was October. She went to go visit. It said she went to go visit. Really? You know, she left his ass right. She left his mm-hmm. ass there. When their Palm Beach house exploded. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Killing Chester. That's God's will Boom. right there. It is. It is God's yeah. will. Yeah. Yeah. God was like, listen, man, I'm done. Listen, yeah. Listen, like, we've given I you tried. too many chances. Now you're going after the 75-year-old lady for her money. Yep. You can kick rocks. <laughs> We're done with this. Yeah. So. so, investigators believe it was a hit. But they said, and I quote, that son of a bitch got what he deserved. Sure did. That's, that's, so nuts. That's a country sheriff right there. You know, like, <laughs> oh, that absolutely. That is, a, that is a Georgia sheriff. Um, I think that's the last of my papers. They could be out of order. So that is the case of Chester the Molester in Macon, Georgia in 1960. Also, I'd like to cite my sources. Of course What you is would. your comment? What is your comment? I have no comment. Just go ahead and cite what you watched on TV. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I watched a crime to remember, which is really good. It's also, no, it's not where I got my next case. I don't know where I got that one. Um, I got it from 13WMAZ.com. I got it from Macon.com, which is an actual place. And I got it from the Telegraph. So there is a lot you can actually read on this. And mm-hmm. it is really good. A lot goes into his past. And I mean. He sounded just, I mean. I know I said this. He sounds just like H.H. H. Holmes because he had three different wives that he had buried with different names. And they really don't know if that is his true name because he had some. Well, actually, they do know it's not his true name because he actually they think of his family. Mm-hmm. But it's the same thing. The the you know conning people with the housing and the cheap mm-hmm. you know all that other stuff. Right. And that just shows to you kind of. I guess similar mentalities. I wonder, like, if they had, like, the same... I always wonder, like, with, like, crazy serial killers and shit, like, did they... Is something in their life similar that made them... Didn't they think for a while they had, like, the same brain abnormality? Abnormality? Well, that's what I wonder. But, I mean, 
But like, if you okay, say like a serial killer dies or they put him to death, can you like can the state automatically say we're going to study his brain, or do they have to donate their body to science? So, mm-hmm. I I think if that goes into family's will, like they ask the family what they want to be done with the body. Surely donated science. But I'm like, just saying if you end up being a serial killer and they're like, can we? And I'd be like, do whatever. It, I know there's a lot of like, <laughs> they've tracked like a lot of similarities. Like I know um, like mutilating like pets and uh, angry yes. animals. That's kind of a common thing. I think a lot of um, their like parental mar- marital problems as in their parents are divorced. 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 Um, (laughs) abuse of parents you know yes sexual abuse yeah and Mm -hmm. i think that kind of all plays into their following kind of in that footsteps because that's what their norm is right and so if i know what this norm is i'll keep following so if like i take a cat and i pull all its legs off and then it dies and i got this much joy it's kind of like a drug i guess where i get this much joy out of it let me do something more because I get more joy out of it. Right. And this is just the only way for me to go. I don't know if there's actually like a specific brain abnormality. There might be. I don't know. I, I don't know that there is either, but I remember thinking that at one point they were studying them yeah. to try and find out. Yeah, that would be wonderful because, I mean, I'm sure they've done more studies, you know, longer than we could. We yeah. were, well, we that's, could imagine. Big, that, that's why it makes me think because if it's a simple brain abnormality, they can figure it out. I'm sure they would have found it by now and been like, let's figure out how to get rid of this. Yeah. But I mean, I know a lot have like alcohol and drug abuse at young ages too. Yeah. And so, but those are like serial killers, which he's only had one. He just has a lot of a crime history. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, okay. So I really enjoyed our stories this week. Uh, yes. I don't, I barely remember what yours is about now because it's been a few days. Hmm. Um, How many times have you mentioned this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to rub it in like until for a, for a, for a while y'all. So, um, don't forget to, thank you for coming back. Don't forget to go to, you can find us on Facebook. Um, and don't forget to go to your purple icon. I don't know if we talked about that in the beginning before, but go to your, wherever you get your podcast at comment, rate us. Anytime you rate us, it puts us up in the number box, especially on iTunes or the purple podcast app. Mm-hmm. Um, it brings us up in numbers. So any kind of review would be wonderful. We would like the positive ones, but you know, you can't, can't win them all. Um, and share. Um, and we appreciate y'all so much. So also don't forget to go to the Patreon where you can get, I don't know if we mentioned it before. I'll read. No, so. we didn't mention it in the beginning. So I'll, I'll tell you the tiers now. Okay. So first of all, we need to do our shout out to Candy Marchman, uh-huh. our Patreon supporter. Uh-huh. Um, but the different tiers are for just a dollar a month. You can be in the friend zone. This is just, you know, like, hey, we like you, but we don't have a lot of money. Um, after that, you can join the Friends with Benefits. That's $5 a month. And you get a sticker. Woo-hoo! Yeah. After that, we make it Facebook official. It's $10 per month. And you get a month, a move, a move, a monthly bonus episode, mm-hmm. a shout out at the end of the episode, and a sticker. And a sticker. God. And then, if you really love us, we can be happily married. Woo! That's only $25 a month. Yep. You get a monthly bonus episode, mm-hmm. a shout out at the end of the episode. Okay. A sticker. A sticker. A mug. And a t shirt. And a poster. poster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, if this 
second half of this recording sounds super weird. We're back on the old microphone just because that's what we had at my house. Um, so listen, we'll we'll do better. I'll do better. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so that is um Patreon www.patreon.com slash just another murder murder just another murder cast. Yeah, long thing to type in just on that. Yep, that would be the. It's a lot. Figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, so Beth is actually going to close us out today. We love you, thank you, and she found something she wants us to listen to, and I've already heard it now. But the first time I heard it, I freaked it out. It was so, so good the first time. Oh my gosh, it was so good, super super scary. So take it away, sister. So hey, scary. Haley had like building up of size. I was so surprised. Give me your phone, Jordan. I was so surprised at how scary it was. This is going to scare the bejesus out of you. It's at least just a loud one. Is it started yet? Yeah, they should play this on merry-go-round. <laughs> this actually might be what's played on the carousel. <laughs> <laughs> 